sugars. I'm a couple of days behind. Sorry, Cabergay has overtaken my life. But we did our first show, and it went really well. And so um, I'm back up to a few days late because I wanted to get this podcast out with Rick Clements out because he has a podcast out that came out um, the week, the second week of August, where I was a guest on his episode. And it was a really great conversation. So I just wanted to try to do a crossover support, and I failed a little bit. But I'm only about four days late, so we're going to work it out. Also, too, uh, if you live in the Los Angeles area and are interested, there still is a second show of Cabergay Sugars. Go to cabergay.com. That's C-A-B-A-R-G-A-Y.com. I'll put that in the show note link. So this, I'm, I don't even want to introduce it a lot because I feel like Rick Clemens is my spirit animal, and I feel like I'm a little bit of his spirit animal. We both just have so much in common uh, we both uh, really, truly believe in living life, um, as he says on his show, the name of his podcast, Life Uncloseted, it believe, living life on our own terms and on and living life truthfully and the most authentically we can, and we've seen the power in that. And his story of just his journey to find himself is... I mean, it's pretty damn incredible. It's It really is the miracle of setting your own self free, which I believe we all have the power to do if we just really can get our mind to make that shift. So I didn't say, I, I said I was going to say a lot and then I, I wasn't going to say a lot. Now, sugars, I did. So I'm sorry about that. So, but it, this really is, I think, one of my most favorite Dear Maddie episodes I've ever, ever, ever recorded for reals. So I love this man. It's what a beautiful, beautiful soul. All right, everybody. Enjoy a new Dear Maddie show with the wonderful, the beautiful, the fabulous Rick Clemens. Here we go. Well, what? Hello, everybody. It's a podcast. We are recording this. Hopefully, technology doesn't fail us because we've got Matt Marr and y'all know I'm the queen and we got a double queen episode. Rick Clemens is on the show today. Woohoo! We got a double Southern Queen episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like sure, coming from the South. It's like a DP of fabulousness. <laughs> of course it is, honey. <laughs> that should be our road show, Rick Clemens. If we go on the yeah, road, we should. Well, honey, we've been on the road. You know, we've, we've both been there a few times. I'm sure. So. <laughs> we've both been road hard. That's for sure. <laughs> Ooh, girl, I'm already getting hot. <laughs> we're not even one minute into this and, and look we're gone for crying out loud I know I know thank god we're doing a morning show because in the afternoon we're drinking and then it's all host bar that's true that's it's true a, it'll keep us together no but well, how do they know how do they know I haven't already been drinking though okay. that's the question that's true you all you do live in wine country I do I do thank god for that thank god for that now also we have in common that we both we both love helping people we love people sharing their story and because you do. You've been doing life coaching for how many years now? Oh Lord, honey, too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out my own life of why I'm doing this, but six years. Uh, I started in 2000. Oh, maybe it's more than that. See, my math isn't even good. This early in the morning. Six years. 2009 was when I became certifiable. Well, certified. I mean, not certifiable. I've always been certifiable, but yes, 2009. Sugar. Well, that's nine years. 
You know, that's true. See, yeah. see what happens when you, when you're almost 55 years old, girl, everything starts to go. Yeah. I'm not just talking about the junk down between your legs, you know? So there you go. Sugar, you look good. So y'all, we, I guess did a spot on an interview on Rick's show uh, yes. this week. So, which I'm going to have all the show links to that, but uh, we did a video. Girl, yep. you do not look 55. Well, thank you. Thank no. you. And, you. and honey, you do not look 21. So, you know, we're in, uh, we're in good shape. Here, so. <laughs> well, and by the way, that show is called Life Uncloseted. So, um, well, let's just talk about that. Even though I do it in the closet. So. That's what I was going to bring up. It's, it's a very nice, if you know, if I was back in the closet, I would want to be in a closet full of wine. Yes. Yes. We added some more to it just since I talked to you the other day. So. Oh, girl. So, oh, girl, this is what happens when you live like three miles from wine country. You just, you know, you just go, you know, today is just too stressful. I think I just better go take a little drive. And somehow that magnet just pulls you in, girl. And there you are buying more wine that you don't really need. But it sure looks pretty on camera. Oh, because so. you uh, you went with you had friends in town. I bet also, too, you have friends in town. You would live in San Luis Obispo, so you have, which is beautiful. Yep. And you have friends in yep. town all the time that just want to go out and drink. And you're like, it's Tuesday, but I don't want to be unhospitable. I'm Southern. I'm Southern. We have to be hospitable in every way. And I do mean in every way. So, yeah. Yes. You got to do that. Now, let's mm -hmm. now, Sugar, I want to talk a little bit about um, I, I want to talk about two things, but I have a feeling they go together. I want to talk about how you got from the South to California and kind of your own personal journey, but then also what how that led into starting life uncloseted. Sure. How I got from the South to California. Well, Where were you born? Me, Where were you raised? So I was born actually in Colorado, um, but I only did a short little stint there before my parents moved to California. And um, we, I've been very blessed. My parents were mobile many of uh, many years of my life, so I got to see much of the country. I, I don't know what they were running from, but it seemed like they were running from just about everything. So that made I and I get to go do lots of different things. So we ran to the Napa Valley. Hmm. I wonder where I got that wine bug from. Yeah, exactly. And um, I was in the Napa Valley till I was in fourth, fifth grade, something like that. I think it was fourth grade. And then we moved back to Roots in Colorado, not where I was born. I was born in Loveland, Colorado. So that's near Denver. It's what Coloradans call the Eastern Slope versus the Western Slope. So it's kind of like oh. the North and the South. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Okay. So Yeah. So I was on the Western Slope. So that was close to Aspen. So, you know, my parents, at least when they moved, they kind of did some good stuff. You know, Napa Valley to close to Aspen. We were doing pretty good. And then they took a detour to Arkansas. Lord knows what happened there. But oh, um, boy, they shit the bed on that one. They did. And I think it was because they were young hippies. And, and I don't know, maybe they got stoned one night and said, Arkansas, that's where it is. Well, so. it is beautiful there. Actually, I, I tease it, but Fayetteville is a beautiful town. It is. And that's very close to where I was. We were in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. And I went to a little private high school there, a little Seventh-day Adventist high school where couldn't do nothing. Couldn't do a thing. Couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't look at girls. You couldn't sit next to them, which at that time I was like, I don't want to anyway. But I didn't know that that what the real reason was behind all that. So I was still figuring all that out and all that good stuff. And then before I knew it, I was in Tennessee and then Oklahoma and Texas. And so I, I did my full on tour of the Bible Belt, Sugar. Boy, you you sure did. You did the whole 
Mm-hmm. From the Chattanooga Choo Choo to the Dallas Cowboys, I did it all, and I don't mean I. Well, I kind of did it. I kind of did it all. I was still figuring it all out then, but um. Yeah, I girl, started. I know you had a Troy Aikman poster. Don't lie to me. Well, okay, true that, girl. So <laughs> true. So now, I'm interested just in growing up and me growing up exclusively in Southern Oklahoma, which I'm very grateful for. I, I, I love I love a lot of things about it, but a lot of things I didn't love about it were that it just was very. Um, just, you know, very Bible Belt and uh-huh. gay. So I'm interested for you moving around. Like, I feel like Napa Valley, I mean, but this was a longer time. This was like, yeah. you know, we are we are not young chickens, girl. So when we were kids, but what was it? Did you have different experiences of acceptance uh, moving around? Or could you, or were you even aware of that when you were that young? You know, it really was interesting because I knew from a very young age that there was, definitely something different. Um, you know, other than my striking good looks and my wit and humor, all that stuff I knew was definitely different. Um, but I did, even when I was a young kid in Napa, um, I just thought, man, I'm something different. And I had kind of a role model, I guess you would call it. My dad's oldest brother was gay and I understood it. I understood what that meant to a degree. And I saw him and his partner being very happy. They were like, sugar, they were the creme de la creme of San Francisco. So I, that's where I look, got all my fabulousness from. Is oh, watching them. girl, that's what yes. everybody wants is a gay mm. uncle. I'm so a jealous. gay uncle that was the fabulous person in San Francisco. He and his partner owned two restaurants and they did just everything you could think of. I actually believe they were actually friends with Harvey Milk at one point in time. I'm, uh, there's something in my memory that stirs that up. But anyway, oh, I'm, wow. dropping na- I'm dropping names now, which is uh, not girl, what I'm known. Seven minutes do. in and your name dropping. Look I'm at you. Girl, so look at me go. But um, so, yes, there. And then when I got to Colorado, and seriously, my parents were kind of young, hippie-ish people. So here we are in the Aspen area. And this was before Aspen was really what Aspen is today. You know, <laughs> the thing that mm-hmm. you got you to drop cash before you you can even enter the city limits, you know, to go to Aspen these days. But um, there was definitely kind of the free love stuff I went through. And so that kind of like opened me up to hmm, things are, you know, but again, at seven, eight, nine years old, I'm like, I don't, I know some stuff is stirring up inside me, but I couldn't quite figure it out. And I had crushes on different people. Notice I said people. I'm not being specific here. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't let any of that come out, so to speak. Then I get to Arkansas and Oklahoma fall in love with my best friend, have an emotional like connection with him, thought he was really hot. Now he's just, he became a real asshole in the last year or so. But anyway, um, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And um, it was in Tennessee when I went to college, my first two years, that I actually began to realize, hey, this is who I am. And I remember sitting, so I was a bad boy. <laughs> I, oh, I went to Seventh Day Adventist College there, and we're supposed to be in church and all these good things. And so Saturday mornings, I'm like, "Well, I had a car. I can say I'm going to church." And where did I go? I went to dance class. So there you have it. Wasn't supposed to be dancing or nothing like that. Oh, I'm off to the dance Lord. class, girl. Yes, I was pushing that envelope. And of course, you know, I get the hots for one of the dancers in class who happened to be a very handsome handsome kind of scandinavian slender looking otter thing and um i started realizing 
the two of us were having something there, but we never did anything. We didn't, unfortunately. You're like you're like the gay footloose. I kind of was, honey. I kind of was, and I started dancing late in life. So there's so much to this story. You know, here I am. I'm, you know, 17, 18 years old. And first couple of years in college, I'm just starting to dance. Then I started doing dance productions. And then, of course, I'm like, oh, I realize what's going on. I remember a little trip to Six Flags over Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, look at that dancer on the, you know, the show, you know, the typical show with the uh-huh. theme park, right? And I remember coming out of that show and we're about to go ahead for some rides. And this particular dancer comes out the side door from the theater. And, of course, I, for some reason, me and my friends were in the front row. And, of course, I believe it was, you know, the fabulous divine intervention that our glorious gay angels send us, right? Yes. And he comes out that side door and he walks right up to me and goes, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. And I was like, I I didn't know what to say because I'm like, "Mm, I can't let anybody know who I am. And then literally a couple of weeks later, I came out to my family and said, this is who I is. And did they care? Oh, girl, did they care? Hmm. Really? But they were kind of moving all over. It's so interesting with their brother. You would think that would be better, but I guess it's It's your own child. When it's your own child. And then suddenly my hippie parents found Jesus and I was like, Oh girl, here we go. Which was fine because I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to be at that moment. And it was right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. So Mm -hmm. I went to some counseling with the church pastor and, um, Oh Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to say here, but it's really hard to go to counseling when all you do is sitting there going, damn, that boy's fine. He is one fine pastor. And then of course, every time I went to church, I just was like, this is not right. I'm sitting here in the back pew and just jonesing over the pastor. It's just, that's when I knew. And of course, I did go back in the closet because my parents were like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, fine. And that began the slippery slope of pretending to be someone you're not and pretty much living a life in the closet, but playing outside of the closet without anybody knowing. Did you have your uncle to talk to during that? Like, did he kind of know what was going on or were y'all not close at that time? We were close, but... um, my third year in college, not at that college, it took a year off. I got the call from my father and he said, your uncle's really sick and we don't know what it is. And so I did hop on the plane and go see him. And the only interaction my uncle and I had was in his hospital room. And yes, he had, he was one of the very first to contract the virus. And um, mm-hmm. they didn't know what, I mean, it was literally, this was when they didn't know what it was. They were trying they to thought treat it was cancer. All this other cancer, stuff. Yeah. And I remember walking into his hotel room and even with his hospital gown covering him, there were just blotches on his arms, on his neck and, and um, so my dad left the room, said, I'll let you guys have a little bit of time together. And he was not completely lucid. And um, we had a little bit of conversation, but the piece of the conversation that sticks out most in my mind is when he looked me in the eye and he said, just remember this, Rick, I had a choice. And I just kind of looked at him and he said, I had a choice to be careful. And that was the last conversation I ever had with him. Mm. And then about three weeks later, he passed. I will never forget that conversation because I believe at that moment he was sharing what he thought myself, even as a hidden gay man, needed to hear. 
And um, it's been a very pivotal part of my life. Very pivotal. Even though from that point on, I still was figuring things out. A couple of years later, I graduated from college, go to my first job in Texas, was at a college and university. And um, I was food and assistant food and beverage director and actually met a girl who became my wife and um, loved her. Wow, I know it's just, it's, no. Oh, let me get my, do you need to get, get your fan? Cause I know it's getting I, like I to, get a fan and some tea for this. This is and tea probably, time. And probably some smell and salts too, girl, because you know, it just probably keep going. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So I met her and literally it was like, we clicked and everything was cool. And then, you know, now it, my whole life has kind of been scandal. So then of course, you know, here I am food and beverage director dating a student. She's sneaking off campus on weekends, staying at my house. We're, you know, doing bada bing, bada boom, which was never a hard thing for me to do. It was just, I could, I could have sex. I could do that. And I did care for her and I did love her. Um, but simultaneously I'm doing things on the side, not mm -hmm. often at that point, but it's like, okay, I know this is, I just, I need this, I need this thing. And that unfortunately, and I'm not proud of this, but that went on for 14 years. Cause a year later after I met her, we got married and, um, it was not the best part of my life. Because mm. I was doing the dual thing, living yeah. the double life. Um, and we made it work. We ended up having two beautiful children. My kids are 19 and 23, both girls. And the kids are all right. Just like the movie says, girl, the kids are all right. As long as the adults don't fuck it up. That's my theory right mm. there. So, um, so my wife and I did move to California. And that finally brings us full circle of, you know, what you asked. Now, where were you born? How'd you end up in California? Da, 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 da. And that's kind of the quick and dirty not so quick and dirty, but journey. And once we got to California, um, continued to have a good married life, but was still not me. I was screwing around on the side. And then, girl, I went to London. Oh, Lordy, 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 Lordy. And the Brits, they just do this shit to me, girl. I'm telling you, it's like, I just have to hear the accent and I just swoon and I get all moist, you know? And so, gosh. Oh, Lord. So I get to London and um, I had not ever been really out, out. I had gone out with coworkers. I was like a VP of software marketing and many of my staff within the organization were gay and lesbian. So I kind of became the happy straight guy that went with the gays and lesbians, even though I had all the sales guys that I also had to keep entertained and their clients and all this stuff. But I just kind of naturally gravitated to the LGBTQ, which was really just the L and the G at that point in time, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had gone to a couple of gay bars with them, but here I am in London and I had gone out for the evening to an awards program and I was the only one that went to that. I came back and of course, again, the good, good princess God intervened and Divine intervention said, girl, you're not going to your room. You're going out. And I thought, okay, yep, I'm going out. I am going to go find the gay scene in London. And I did. And I was so freaking nervous. So oh, scared. Wow. Because I had never walked into a gay bar by myself. And it's so stupid because when I do the talk about this on stage, I talk about, you know, walking in, there's like this big neon light on my forehead that says straight guy looking for sex, wife and kids in California, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this and stuff. how old were you at the time? Uh, 36, 36. 
And wow. uh, my youngest um, was only nine months old at the time. My oldest was about four and a half. And of course, I meet a lovely Brit. We go out, we dance. This is when Cher was just coming out with her Believe album. And all I could hear was Believe, Believe, Believe. And then, of course, what happens is what's always happened. I go off to his room. I go to his hotel. But the difference was there wasn't any sex. I fell in love and I fell apart that night. Oh, no. Because there was something more. It wasn't just the sex. There was connection. There was conversation. There was, wow, this guy gets me all this stuff. And two days later, girl, I flew from London to Los Angeles. I got in the car. At the time, I called my wife and said, I'm home. She goes, good. I can't wait to see you. And I said, yeah, me too, but we need to talk. And I left LAX and drove to South Orange County a few times. I thought about pulling in front of semi trucks because I'm like, I can't do this. I just might why I just kill myself. And then I walked in the door and I said, not exactly, but in that Southern sensibility, I said, frankly, my dear, I'm gay. And that's what launched everything. I would have never thought it's almost been 20 years, man. Next, uh, a year, like November, it'll be 20 years since I came out of the closet. <clears throat> like officially came out like, okay, this closet door is done. I don't care how much wine there is in that closet, girl. I am not going I'm done. Back. Yeah. Yes. And, um, if somebody had told me back then and it was actually 1999, so it's just so much of this was ironic, you know, the whole Prince song and everything. And then I was working in a software company. So we were going through, you know, Y2K, man, everything big was happening that year. And that's the year I came out of the closet. And if anybody had told me that 10 years later, I would be a life coach and that I would have a radio show that became a podcast and that I would be helping people come out of the closet and then standing on stages, helping people come out of their closets, whatever they would be. I would have said, fuck no girl, <laughs> I'm not doing that stuff. That is just way yeah. too much. And uh, oh, girl, now I feel like I need smell and salt after telling all that stuff to you. So, okay, it's your show. Now you go. <laughs> that was a story. I just, I feel like I could have a whole separate podcast about, I still want to interview one day. I just haven't found anybody. I'd like to do a, a interview with a husband and wife where one was gay and like how they get got through that process. I think to hear both sides of the mm -hmm. story, I think it would be fascinating. Well, girl, I can hook you up on that one. So we'll talk after this recording. Hey, if you and your wife ever want to <clears> talk. I'd oh, no, 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 no. We, oh, okay. we, we, we did, we've done good and now we're not so good, but I do have, couple of people I know that would probably do that for you. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, that I just, I bet you are the funnest dad. Your daughters are very lucky. <clears throat> you know, they are amazing women. And I mean that they are women. I mean, they're 19 and 23 and now they're women <clears throat> and to have me you know, my youngest, she was nine months old when this all happened. So she doesn't have any recollection of mom and dad ever living together. My oldest one says she has some recollection of it. Um, but to have gone through this. And then of course, a couple of years later, after all that, I met a man and, um, God, he's just amazing. Just an amazing guy. And um, the first time he came to meet me and the girls, I mean, this will tell you something. And I know all your listeners are now going to swoon. So get ready. It's a swoon moment coming. 
Love it. He agrees to come meet me and the girls, and we decided we were going to go. If anybody knows anything about um, Orange County other than it's like the orange curtain, and it's just very not LGBTQ friendly. But anyway, um, he agrees to come meet me, and we're going to go to Balboa Island where there's a little, like, Ferris wheel and all this sort of stuff. We thought that'd be a great little place to take the girls. He shows up at my apartment, or my condo, actually. And so the girls are, like, six and two, two and a half at this point. He shows up my condo with a bouquet of sunflowers for each of them. I was like, Aww. oh, girl, you just, well, you just stole my heart. So, and that's, um, we had been dating a little bit and he has been a fabulous parent. Um, he's been a great conduit between me and the kids at times and their mother. Um, and he's a good dad. I mean, they go to him for stuff that they don't go to me for. Um, of course, then I beat the shit out of him to tell me what they've been talking to him about. But girl, that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm just, they're fun. I love my kids. I mean, so, you know, we do great things like, you know, Father's Day this year. They all showed up. <clears throat> my youngest one's in college close to where we are. My oldest one. Uh, lives a couple hours away and I say they all showed up because my oldest one called and said hey I want to come down for Father's Day but can I bring my boyfriend I'm like sure and she goes well Carly would like to come too because she had so much fun while we were there I'm like okay and she goes and Marshall you know Marshall my gay boyfriend which she'd already brought down once her good best gay friend you know um, he'd like to come too so what did we get for Father's Day we got a whole room full of kids which was great I love that stuff so oh I love that too um oh Sugar, I just want to come visit. Now I am. Well, um, well, let's talk a little bit about. I'm glad you told me all that because I think that it, it's such a beautiful. It's such a. It, I mean, it really is like you're not just coaching because you know mm-hmm. you overcame uh, gluten tolerance. No. You like went through some shit, girl. So let's talk a little bit about. You've been coaching for. You want to say six, but girl, it's nine years now. So, um, so what for you? And I love that metaphor. I actually, I've talked about that too, that everybody has a closet. They have to come out of something in their life. And I think that's so, I think that's just spot on. And even though, yes, it's different than being gay or this and that, but I feel like the process, it can be very similar. So in your coaching what are kind of like, um, we don't have any advice questions this week, y'all, because y'all didn't write in. So if you're listening, you have some advice, go to DearMaddieShow.com, sugars, and, and ask it. But for you, we're doing, I mean, you've had by now probably hundreds, if not thousands of coaching clients. Yeah. What are kind of, we're going to talk about the top three things kind of that people come to you with yep. that you feel like. So what is like the first thing that's on your heart kind of that people always come to you with that you kind of help guide them? Well, I think the biggest thing is, and this is so interesting because, yes, I've been coaching people late in life coming out of the closet. And then when I started realizing, wait, 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 girl, this is a common problem. No, well, not everybody's coming out of the you know sexual closet, but people are in these closets. So I started like going, OK, when somebody first comes to me, what is the thing? Well, the first thing that they've got to do is give themselves permission permission to go do this bold thing they're going to do. It doesn't matter if it's coming out sexuality, if it's saying I'm, I'm done sitting in this cubicle girl. I want, I want the whole thing myself. You know, they leave corporate America or whatever it might be, or it could be just as simple as I'm going to start using my voice, even if it's just a little bit of using my voice and being podcasters, 
I love to do this with podcasters because podcasters like get all excited and they say they're going to do this and then they pull back and then they get all excited. Okay. Now I'm ready, but I got to launch. And then they pull back. Give yourself mm-hmm. fucking permission to go do the bold thing you're going to do and quit jerking yourself off. That is my motto. And that's mm. where most people get stuck. It's the give yourself permission. It is so scary to say, yes, I'm going to do this. And that's where we do a lot of the first initial work is what is keeping you from giving yourself permission. Yeah, that's, I'm just kind of sitting here because it's, it sounds so simple, but it's really, I mean, it really is. We are the ones that are holding ourselves back more than anyone. But the second um, thing, you know, you said, what are three things? But the second thing is actually, it's kind of intertwined in the first. But the second thing that helps people give themselves permission is to get over the fact that you don't have to live by other people's expectations. You don't have to live someone else's dream for your life. But all of us do this. Isn't it so lucky? Aren't we so lucky that we were gay? I agree. That we had mm-hmm. to like, because we had to realize very on that we can live by other people's uh, other people's guidelines for life or we can live by our yep. own. And I think a lot of straight people that don't have to question their sexuality don't often experience that until, I'd be interested to see a study to see if like, it's to see if queer people go through a midlife crisis the way straight people often do in their forties, because I feel like we had to do it when we were 20. Oh, that's really, that is, that would be a great study to see because I see that. I see the parallels that start to happen. You know, it's so interesting because um, I'm getting ready to do a workshop at national speakers association conference. And it's me and two other queers on the panel. And um, it's really about how our journey as queer people helps us as speakers, as business owners, all those things, because how did making the big leap to come out help us make the big leap to become a speaker or a business owner? How has living our truth, being letting that truth, even though it's scary and empowering, how has that scary truth as an LGBTQ person empowered you as a business person? You know, so there's all these different things that I'm the host, of course. You know, I have to be the host yeah. because I'm a Leo, honey, and I have to have the spotlight. Yeah. So get in line. You get yes. that. But it's interesting. And I think we're going to have a really good turnout for this because we've positioned it as what can you learn from the LGBTQ community about living and being your truth as a speaker and a business person? And we're going oh, through that. all the different things that we do because. Just think about this, the difficult conversation. Do you realize, I know you do, because you are all being just like me. You know, we kind of fight for that space on the, you know, on the throne. But um, do you realize how much the difficult conversation of coming out actually can teach us how to have any difficult conversation? Mm-hmm. And so I think we yeah. do have the leg up, so to speak as LGBTQ people, if we know how to use that in the right ways. I I know, girl, we know some of us us in our community, they still struggle and God bless them because this stuff we're talking about is not easy. No, no, that's that's the whole point is, um, and I've often said to a lot of my LGBT uh, clients is they'll be in the middle of something and they'll feel like it's overwhelming. And I'll ask them, I'll say, is this harder or easier than coming Mm -hmm. out? 
And 99% of the time they'll say, well, this is easier. Right. And so I'm like, well, then you had the strength to do that. So you're going to be able to do You know, this. honey, well, <clears throat> I think we may have talked about this when you and I were kibitzing the other day for my podcast, but I brought, I, I love bringing this piece to the conversation. Life Uncloseted with Rick Clemens. Download mm-hmm. it. Picture, get y'all. it now. Get it down. So, um, but what you just described is what's in your closet is what's going to help you get out of your closet. What is in your closet, LGBTQ folks, is you've already come out of the closet. You've already done some of the toughest shit you will ever do. So why are you ignoring that you've already had that experience when it comes time to say, I want to leave my job. I'm miserable. Why are you doing this when you're saying I'm in a crappy relationship that's not working? You have done some of the most difficult stuff and guarantee you girls and boys What's in that closet of experience from coming out of the closet is going to help you get out of the closet from a bad relationship, from a job that sucks, or wanting to go pursue a dream of, you know, traveling the world. You've already got it. That's so true. Do you feel, I'm wondering, and maybe you already described them, but, you know, a lot of my listeners are especially like moms, young moms, women, Mm -hmm. uh, single women uh, that are in the thirties. What do you feel like for a lot of uh, in your experience with your female clients, what do you feel like has been a lot of the, uh, the what's kind of a metaphorical closet for a lot of them? Um, and I know it's different. We're generalizing it here. Is, but I'm just- in general, I believe it's buying into a belief system that this is just where you're supposed to be. Mm. And as accepting a woman, yeah. as a woman. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, for a period of time, ended up with a whole bunch of women clients. And I think it was partially because where I was hanging in the networking environment and women started coming to me saying, hey, if you can come out of the closet, you can help me do this. This is where I believe that gay men and straight women have a lot of commonalities. Oh, yeah. And you have two daughters. So you <laughs> and I have, have two daughters. daughters. Exactly. So, <laughs> girl, I've been through the, oh, my God. Okay. You know, it's ironic. We're divorced. By the time my daughters, you know, ha- had that first little monthly visitor, how ironic that, you know, that happens on dad's watch, not on mom's watch. So, yes, I can even talk to that stuff, girls. So, you know, you're, I've been like, through, you're in it. I'm in it. I'm the Martha Stewart of gay living with a papa. So there you go. Um, <laughs> it is so interesting because I think women in general feel like they have to live by a certain standard. This is their place, even though they know it's not necessarily their place. And we become numb to this is just supposed to be where we're at. Yeah. This is what I'm a mom. If I'm overwhelmed by motherhood, yeah. then I give everything to my children. And I don't do anything for myself. That's well. And the thing is, is once you start giving everything to someone else, I mean, I'm so tired of hearing this metaphor, but it works every freaking time. If you don't put the freaking oxygen mask on yourself first, you're not going to be a damn bit of good to somebody else. Yeah. And what I realized as I came out of the closet and as I started realizing, you know, when I lost my job and I'm like, I'm so done with this. Cause two times in a row, I was high level execs in companies and got laid off like within five years of each other. And I'm like, I'm done. And what it was, was my, my need to put my oxygen mask on myself and say, girl, what is it you really want to be doing then? If this isn't where you want to be, you better put that oxygen mask on and say, this is what I'm going to go pursue. This is what I'm going to go figure out. And I was doing it for me. Not because, mm-hmm. yes, I had mortgages and I had kids to you know feed and I had some alimony to pay at one point in time. It was, what am I doing? Even this move here, Maddie, to, you know, we talked about San Luis Obispo. For those who don't know where that is, it's on the central coast of California. It's beautiful. 
It's close to wine country, as we've already discussed. But even this move to here was, what's the lifestyle I want? It wasn't mm. about a job because I can work anywhere. Girl. I, can, I, I can work in a stall these days because my computer can just follow me right in there and I can put my headphones on. I can just do all this with wherever I'm at. But it's about what did I need to do for me? And this isn't selfish. And any of you listening, that's like, yes, but people say I'm selfish. You just say, no, I'm very self-loving. Ooh, I love that. I'm using that, Rick Clemens. I love mm-hmm. it. See, I can be the Oprah when I need to be. You are a gay white that's Oprah. A Look at you. That's a tweet. That is a tweetable moment right there. Mm. That, ooh, so. that was like a, that was like an emotional popper. Mm-hmm. It just, mm-hmm. oh, I love that. I love that. Love that. It's one of my favorite things to say to somebody because when they start saying, but people tell me I'm selfish. It's like, no, honey, you are being self-loving. You're being self-caring. Those are the things you need to understand. Unless you do it wrong. Yes, there are people who can be selfish and they can try to say it's self-caring and they're just being a bitch and an asshole to everybody around them. That don't work. I don't doesn't work. work. It doesn't work. But the other thing about the women, and I think this brings to that, you know, you were saying what are like the three uh-huh. things. So we talked about the giving permission and then living by other people's expectations or dreams or standards. The other thing, most people, when they're like stuck in those closets or they're trying to like, okay, I need to do this, but I'm not doing this. I need this. <sighs> okay, well, I'm going to bring up some color stuff here. Even though I love black, people think too much in black and white. Mm. It's either yes or no. <clears throat> it's yeah, I can or I can't. And to me, the beauty of being a rainbow unicorn is I've learned to see the colors. And that what I mean by that is I've learned to see the colors in perspectives. I've learned to see the colors and possibilities. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, girl, because you know, I ain't perfect. I'm just like, there are days. In fact, I'm getting ready to go coach for seven hours straight. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to need a drink by the end. I'm trying to figure out what color wine I'm going to drink by the end of the day. But anyway, it is the colors of possibilities. If you say, well, I don't know if I can come out should I, or should I not? It's not a should or should I not? It's what will happen for you when you do come out? How will this improve your life? If you come out of the closet, what benefit is it serving you to stay in the closet? Now we're not asking yes and no questions. And I know, you know, this girl's a therapist. Mm -hmm. We're asking those open-ended questions because when you start to not play in the realm of black and white, you go into the gray. And actually, once you start to play in the gray, that's when some other colorful questions come into play. So that's the third thing I find for most people. If it's not the permission that they're giving themselves, if it's they continuing trying to live by other people's standards, the third thing that I work most with anybody on is quit living and playing in the black and white. I love that. Unless you, unless you just like black and white, which that's my motto, black and white go together. So there we have it, girl. That's Girl, you are good. You got a gift. You got a gift, Rick Clemens. I love this. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> no, so much. I'm just, I'm sitting here quiet because you just got me thinking, but I remember, oh yeah, I've got to host my fucking show. So, oh, but here's the thing. Here's one other thing I'm going to throw at this because people are afraid to live their truth. And so when you're afraid to live your truth, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to throw my entire quick process at anybody because I think this will help anybody who's listening. If we start from the observation that we're all in a closet, something in our life is we're keeping in a closet, probably multiple things. 
the reason you're in a closet is because number one, you're confused. Mm-hmm. But the only way to get out of that confusing space is to become curious. So there's where the black and white questions moving from black and white to other. But once you get curious, you got to have the courage to go to the next step. And that courage can be whatever it is, but you got to build the courage. Mm-hmm. The next one's going to sound like very similar. It's confidence. You can have all the courage in the world. You can have moved from the confusion. You can have had the curiosity and answered a lot of the questions. And now you're feeling all courageous, like I can do this. But if you don't believe you can do it, if you don't have that confidence, ain't shit going to happen. Yeah. And once you have the confidence to do it, you got to stay committed to it. I am committed. I am committed to living my life in truth. I am committed to being as raw and real and open and transparent as I can ever be. And I will always be transparent. And that puts some people off. And that's okay. Then you're not my peeps. Mm -hmm. But once you are committed to doing this, I'm committed to being the best dad I can be. I'm committed to putting a podcast on and being crazy and throwing F-bombs and every once in a while letting my black diva come out and go, girl, that's not what we're supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be talking about this. I am committed to being that kind of person because then and only then the last C can I consistently live my life, my truth and consistently be who I meant to be on the planet and live by my truths, not other people's. Y'all, we just went to church. I do got the fan out. Rick Clemens, amen, sugar. Amen. Now, girl, now anybody who's listening, tell people where they can find you just because I feel like that was such a good like testimony. I feel like if somebody's fired up right now and they're like, I need to contact this girl, where can they? I'm going to put it all in the show notes, but where can they find you? Well, you can't find me because my, my house won't show up on navigation. So I have to give you this whole <laughs> direction on how to get here. And I'm not going to tell you where the wine closet is until we're good friends. And once we, and if you, as long as you walk in my house and say, girl, I love you, then you get to see the wine closet. But um, okay. it's, where people can find me is rickclemens.com. That's Clemens, C-L-E-M-O-N-S. It's like C with lemons. That's the easiest way. People fuck that name up all the time. I'm just like, and then, you know what? Here's another one. I go to Starbucks and I know we all have had this happen, you know, and you say your name and then for some God awful reason, you know, some barista's high or something and puts, you know, Sally on your cup. I just don't get it. But every time that almost every time I say Rick and almost every time my cup comes, Greg, I'm like, how the fuck do you go from Rick to Greg? I don't get it. But that God bless the same him. at all. But you no. do a lot. Of, you have a lot of you have a lot of online clients, right? You don't have to live in. Okay. No, I yeah. can work wherever I am. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, you could be in a bathroom stall. Somebody else can be in their bathroom stall, wherever exactly. they can be. I can be coaching them from, you know, stall barrier to barrier. How are you doing over there? Oh, I'm not having a good day. Well, honey, let's talk. What's going on for you? Are you confused? Do you need some curiosity in your life? Do you need to be more confident, some courage? What is it they need? And then we just go, you know? Of course, then the sad part is when they slip money under the stall door. God, hope there's no <laughs> cop in there because, you know, I was just coaching officer. I was just coaching for God's sake. So That's funny. Um, okay. Well, you and I could talk for hours, but I want to, let's jump into some chatting Maddie yeah, questions absolutely. real quick. These are same five questions we ask everybody every week. So chatting Maddie, number one, what is your uh, most memorable childhood smell? Oh, 
my grandmother in Colorado used to make this stuff called sweet bread, which is kind of upside down cinnamon rolls with pecans and syrup and stuff. Mm, yummy, yummy. Sweet bread. What was your grandma's name? Marie. That's a good grandma name. Grandma mm-hmm. Marie. Um, oh, ooh, that sounds good now. Okay. Chatty Maddie, number two. What would be the name of your memoir? Bitch, I've lived. <laughs> I don't know where that. I think you know what I, I think. So y'all just y'all just got introduced to my alter ego. <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny shit right there. Lem- oh. Lemon on pop just popped in. She's like, I think oh. I'll take this one, bitch. I've lived. Bitch, I've lived. That's, oh man, that's some amazing shit right there. Okay. Woo. Oh, I got my red face. Okay. Chatty Muddy number three. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you wished you had taken earlier in life? Let shit go. Because it stinks, girl. It Let it go. Let, it go. Let shit go. Let it go. Chatty Maddie number four, what day would be your groundhog day? So what day was such a good day that you're like, I could do this day over and over? The day I went in the gay bar in London. Oh, I love that you just told us that story too. So now we've lived it with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that made me teary. I love that word, Clements. Um, Chatty Maddie number five, that's the last one. When are you most inspired, Sugar. When I'm on my bike, I love cycling and, um, yeah, I, so I come out of the closet and again, I broke some rules. I'm at crunch fitness when crunch was a big thing. And one morning I walk in there and it's spin time at five 30 in the morning. I'm getting my little gay ass in shape so I can meet me a man. And the instructor didn't show up and I'd been spinning for a while. And all my classmates are like, well, we're all here. What are we going to do? And somebody said, Rick can teach. I'm like, I can't teach. And like, you're the best in the class. So we went to the front desk and I got some CDs. Yes, it was back in the day that we had to have CDs. I got some CDs out of my car. I literally taught class and that was the beginning of my spin instructor and cycling um, craziness that now I cycle. Not as much as I used to, but I've done a few hundred mile journeys in my life. So, yeah. Girl, you got them calves and that cake. You're serving it. Mm-hmm, honey. Uh, lots of cake. <laughs> More than I need right now. I call it, you know, some people call it a muffin top. I call it a whole baker's dozens of muffins I got. So there we Jeremy, go. You just say you're serving Grandmama's sweet bread. That's all what uh-huh, you're doing. There we go. Grandma Marie's sweet bread right here. Grandma Marie right here. Um, Rick Lemons, this was a wonderful, wonderful interview for me. I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I love that. I love that we met at Podcast Movement, yep. and then we just kind of kept in touch. And, this- and we made it happen. We just keep hooking up, girl, just like any gay man should. We just hook it up all the time. We are. We are. So, again, everybody can find you at rickclemens.com, correct? Yep, yep, yep. And there's going to be no or, or on a you know occasional street corner, depending you know what night of the week. Depending on where you are. Yeah. Exactly. Do you do the social media? Do you I care do. about I'm that? I'm on Twitter at Rick Clemens. I'm on Instagram at the Rick Clemens, I believe. I'm on Facebook. Just, just girl, just you guys, just go Google. Unfortunately, I'm <laughs> I'm out there all well, over the place, so you'll find. Well, me. Well, you might see some pics too, but I'll put some. Um, <laughs> I'll put some links 
to all of your stuff in the show. Yeah. Also, I'll put a I'll put a link to your podcast, Life Uncloseted. Um, and, and you're gonna get to hear Maddie and I go a whole other direction when when you listen to our show. So we're right there, back to back, being soul sisters like we should. You know, it's interesting because I've sometimes you know I've you've done this for where you do one show and yeah. the person does your show. And often the conversations are somewhat similar, but I'd say we had a totally different type of conversation on your we show. We so went a totally different direction. We still totally have, different. We still had our Southern humor, though. We can't. Yeah, yeah we're still truth talking, y'all. We're, we're still truth talking. Totally truth talking because that's the way it is. So that's the way we roll. Well, Rick Clemens, thank you so much, everybody. Oh, be sure you. to click on those links. Click on those links, sugars, and check him out. Send your advice questions to Dear Maddie. Y'all know I love y'all. Do something for someone, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Now, Sugars, I know you are Jonesing for that episode that I was on on Rick Clemens' podcast. And Sugars, you bet your aspirin that is in the show notes. You sure click on that, and then I'll take you right to our episode. You can subscribe to his channel on your phone. Please leave a review for his show because y'all know we love that, and that just helps us. And I ask y'all to please leave a review for this show. Um, you know, it's um, you all. What I love about doing the show, I just got a text from a friend today who. I uh, listened to a previous episode and just took the had the chutzpah, the initiative to uh, to ask someone out. So uh, they uh, they and it was from an episode I recorded, you know, three months ago. And so what I love about this show is that it, that it uh, it gives back to you on some way, and if it has you know, impacted your thought process or in, uh, made you act on something, please let me know. Tweet me at the Matt Mar or Instagram me the Matt Mar two T's, two R's, because seriously, that makes such a difference. And honestly, on the days where I feel like nobody's listening to this show and gives two shits, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, it's just one person. This is what I do, why I do this, to help somebody just make a shift in their life. Sugars, if y'all are looking for a shift as well and you live in the Los Angeles area, I'm going to promote it again. Cabergay.com. C-A-B-A-R-G-A-Y. We're going to put that in the show notes. Um, this is a show I do with my friend Jake Anthony. That I host TV Tea Time with him. It's raucous. It's irreverent. It's a sketch show. Someone said that to me. They said it reminded them of Carol Burnett, which was a huge honor. Carol Burnett sketches. And then another friend said they were shocked that it was this good because most shows that they have to go to in LA are not. So be sure to check that out. And Sugars, that is it for this week. I'll be back. I've got some new shows coming up, so I'll be back on track. I love y'all very, very much, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.